Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Your host, Gregorio Leone, will have smart discussion with experts, thought leaders and friends on customer experience, transformation, innovation and leadership. I hope you will enjoy the next episode. Ladies and gentlemen, today is really a big, big pleasure. I have the experience maker with me, the real Dan Gingis. Thank you very much for participating to the CX Goalkeeper podcast. Thank you, Dan. How are you? Well, Gregorio, it's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am doing great and looking forward to the conversation. Thank you very much. And me too. I'm really thrilled to have a big, big expert on customer experience, somebody that I am following since years with your outstanding podcast, the experience maker, but also experience this. I think these are two great shows that I am really following and I'm thrilled to, to start the discussion with you. First of all, I really need to ask this discussion and I am really sorry to ask that. How many credit cards do you have in your uh, pocket? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, actually. Uh, I know that we both spent time in the industry. Uh, so I have, uh, I, there is one main card I use for personal and one main card I use for business. And then I have uh, two other cards that I use for specific purposes, like for one store or for uh, one set of rewards, that kind of thing. And <laughs> thank you for this question. I have quite a lot of credit cards in my wallet because we are, we were, or you are, you worked, and I am working in the financial services credit card business, and therefore it's it's quite interesting. And before we kick off the the discussion, um, perhaps could you please introduce yourself? Because in in US we everybody knows who you are and what you are doing, but in Europe you are not yet so well known. <laughs> please introduce yourself fair enough and hopefully we can change that over some period of time but uh, my name is Dan Gingis I am a customer experience speaker coach author and podcaster I spent more than 20 years as a marketer at uh, some pretty large companies discover card which owns diners club in Europe uh, McDonald's you probably have heard of and uh, Humana which is a publicly traded health insurance company and throughout that time, I started in direct mail. I worked my way up through email and social media and SEO and all the digital channels and then got into customer experience, which is where I really fell in love and realized that customer experience had the power to be as good or better than any marketing campaign. Because after all, when we do it right, we get our customers to talk about us, which is word of mouth marketing. It's exactly what marketers are looking for. So today and since 2019, I've run my own company called The Experience Maker. And uh, my joke, which I hope translates okay, is that uh, I like working for the Dan better than I liked working for the man. So I get to work for myself now and work with amazing clients uh, speak on some great stages and really just spread the word about how important customer experience is and the fact that it doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar, multi-year transformational project. It can just be a series of little things that are easy. And so in the book, and I know we'll get to it, all of the examples that I share, and there's almost 50 examples, 
they're all simple, practical, and inexpensive because I know how hard it is to get things done. Uh, I know how hard it is to get legal approval and budget approval and your boss's approval. And so I want to give you ideas that are things that you probably don't even need those approvals for. You can just go and do and make actual change. And I think this is also why you are here. We would, I would like to discuss with you with, um, about your uh, latest book, The Experience Maker, how to create a remarkable experience that your customer cannot wait to share. And we will explain everything. It's an outstanding book. I have read it. I have it. It's really outstanding. And then to my audience, if you have time, please buy this, this, this book because it's really outstanding and you have really quite a lot of insights that you can learn from and reuse because these are practical uh, ideas that you can really leverage in, 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 your, in your company. Uh, before we start deep diving in, in your book and giving some, some insights, uh, you didn't mention something. You won a lot of awards and one of them is the JD Power with Discovery and it's about customer satisfaction and I think after six or seven years then one company that I'm not going to mention <laughs> won that because I need to cover that bit with beep, 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 <laughs> uh, you, you won that. How was this experience? Well, I won't mention that company either. Uh, and as we uh, as we we spoke about offline uh, in the United States, that company has a very good reputation and uh, and deserved the award for a number of years. Um, it happened when our chief marketing officer basically declared one year, "We're tired of being in second place. We're going to win this thing." And what was really interesting about that it was it was a great way to get the whole team together. To, to really be focused on a singular goal. And I was fortunate enough to be on a very small, you know, committee with him uh, in terms of how we were going to make that happen. But I was also overseeing at the time digital customer experience in both uh, the website and the mobile app. And even a smaller credit card company like Discover had at the time 50 million plus logins every month. So pretty busy website. And I realized very quickly that even the tiniest changes could have really big effects on how people perceived the experience, how satisfied they were, et cetera. And since the JD Power Award is all about satisfaction, the idea was how do we look at all of the things that our customers do on the website? How do we just get out of their way and make things easier. Because as I'm sure you know, but sometimes it's hard to admit this, nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to go to their credit card website. It is not something we wish to do. And I think once I got my team to understand that, that our job was to help people accomplish their task as quickly as possible, then once that became the mindset, we just designed a better site. And we made it so that people, we cheered when people logged in and then logged right back off because we knew they got exactly what they wanted. And so we just looked at it from a very different perspective. And I have to say winning that award was a really high point in my career because it was this third party validation by a very reputable company that said we were doing something right and that we had really made progress in customer experience, and more importantly, that we had made our customers satisfied, which is what we were trying to do. So it, it felt really good 
that a third party could say that versus us just saying, well, you know, we think we're doing a great job. And I think the feeling of beating American Express in America, it's it's quite <laughs> it's quite good. That's fully transparency. At the end, also these these are really important companies, and uh, it's you cannot always win. But at the end, I was uh, several times in the U.S. and I understand how people are feeling. What are the feelings of people around American Express? And this is an outstanding feeling, and therefore it's important that we compete or you compete um, also with, with other companies. And the, the next question I would like uh, to, to ask to, 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 to understand a bit better how you are performing your work and how you are creating everything that you, that you are doing. Which are the most important values for you? Which are the most important values? Yes, which are your values that drive you in life? Well, for me, uh, first of all, I think it's doing what you love. And that is something that having spent 20 years in corporate America, I've realized in the last couple of years working for myself that I spent so much time focused on salary and bonus and stock and titles and politics and all these things. And I didn't spend nearly enough time focused on job satisfaction or mental health or general happiness, life happiness. And so now I feel very fortunate because those are things I can focus on while still making a good living and, and you know, and, and earning a, a paycheck, et cetera. Um, but it, it's a, that's been a really important finding for me. And I, I do want people that are listening uh, to really remember that it's okay to do something that you love. It's okay to find a job that you really like getting up in the morning to go do. And if you're not in one of those, go find something else. It's, uh, it's you know, it is, you don't need to, I know we call it work for a reason. It's not play. Um, but at the same time, it is so much better when you're doing something that you love. And so for me, Gregorio, passion has always led the way for me. When I'm passionate about something, I do my best work. I get more involved. I'm willing to work harder and longer uh, because I want to, not because I have to. And that is, uh, is definitely one of the things that I live by. I would say, secondly, professionally, you know, the whole reason I got into customer experience was that a uh, a mentor and a boss of mine observed something about me before I even observed it. Uh, he he realized that when I was in business meetings, I was, as he said, always wearing the customer hat, that I was always trying to solve problems through the lens of the customer. And I really try to live that every day and try to uh, teach others to do that as well. Because at the end of the day, no matter what business you are in, your two biggest assets are your customers and your employees. After that, the rest all falls behind that, right? Because if we don't have customers and we don't have employees, we don't have a business. And so I think if we treat customers that way as our best asset, it's going to change how we invest marketing dollars, how we invest resources, how we uh, position our employees within the organization, and instead of focusing so much time constantly on sales and bringing in new customers, we can focus as much time on keeping the ones we have, giving them a great experience, and getting them then to do the marketing for us. 
Thank you very much. I really like that. And I think this is something that uh, all the people in the customer experience community have in common. It's really the passion about what they are doing. They love that. And basically, I know also that you love baseball and you use you often use one sentence, do simple better. Could you please yes. elaborate on that? Sure. And I know that Europeans are not as big baseball fans as we are here in the US. So I will try. To, <laughs> Sorry for my pitch in the background. No, that's quite all right. Uh, so I am a Chicago Cubs fan and have been my whole life. And probably, you know, that being a Chicago Cubs fan uh, for most of the last hundred plus years has been pretty difficult. We actually held the record, I think, for any professional team for the longest time without a championship. We went 108 years. And then finally, in 2016, the Cubs won the World Series. They had their championship. Uh, the, the city went crazy. I still get shivers thinking about it because it was such a, a, a great moment in my life. And the manager of that team is a guy named Joe Madden, who now manages another team. And he was known for uh, what were called Maddenisms, these little quips, these little sentences that he would throw out that were just great. And um, like he would refer to uh, in baseball, you usually play a series of three or four games. And he would refer to a three-game series. He said he would say that they wanted to meatloaf it. And what that meant was that the singer Meatloaf has a song, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. That's the title of the song. And so his whole point was, you know, when we have a three-game series, if we can win two, if we can meatloaf it, then we're in good shape. Well, my favorite Maddenism that he said was called Do Simple Better. And what he's talking about really in any sport is that you have to do the basic plays. You have to be able to take care of the basic stuff because then when the hard stuff happens, you have a little bit more room for error, margin for error. And so in baseball, it's about when you hit the ball, run hard to first base. Even if you think you're going to get thrown out, you still run hard because, hey, they might drop the ball. They might misthrow the ball. And so you still run hard. I guess the equivalent in soccer would be that even if you're down by four goals, you still play hard because you never know what's going to happen till the time is up. And you might score four goals in the last couple of minutes. And so that's what do simple better is. And I always felt like that was such a great piece of advice for business as well. And specifically for customer experience. So often our experiences are complicated. They're just too hard to understand. There's too much legal. There's too much disclaimers. There's too many acronyms and words we don't understand. And the financial services industry, as you know, is known for that. Between acronyms and jargon and um, and just you know complexity. And what customers want is simplicity. It's the opposite of complexity. So do simple better is just one of those phrases that I think applies every day. It's one of those things you should hang up as a sign in your office to kind of remind you every day. Are you making things simple for the customer or are you making them complicated? And it's quite clear. We often in businesses do it as more complicated and not simple. Therefore, it, it's, uh, it's, it's quite clear and I fully agree uh, on, on this point. Um, we, as we discussed, we, I would like to discuss about your book, The Experience Maker. It came out 14th of, of September. It's, it's really a great book. And I think start kicking off also this discussion. Um, one important topic that you are always mentioning, not only in your book, but in general, is the, um, the difference or the, the balance between the cost to acquire new customer and cost to keep customers. 
Could you please elaborate a bit on that? Because I think this is really key, key and quite a lot of uh, businesses are not understanding that really in the, in the right way. Sure. So it's about cost and it's also about lifetime value. So the cost piece, it is simply less expensive to keep a customer than it is to get a new one. We all know that acquiring new customers is expensive. No matter what business you're in, whether you're B2C or B2B, getting a new customer is expensive. You have to spend marketing dollars, you've got salespeople, you might be paying commission, you have all sorts of work that goes into bringing in a new customer. The challenge then is if that new customer, if we spend all that money and we bring in a new customer and then they're gone in 30 days, we've wasted all of that money. So why would we do that? And then the worst part is what we do is we go spend the money again to go get another customer who might stay for 30 days or might stay for 30 years. But if we have a choice, we prefer one that stays for 30 years. And the way to get people to stay longer, spend more money, and then refer you to others is to provide them with a remarkable experience. And the reality today is that, and the reason it's so expensive to acquire new customers is that almost every product out there is a commodity. If they don't buy your credit card, Gregorio, they're going to go get a different credit card. It's not like they don't have choices. You yourself said you have a whole bunch in your wallet, right? So it's not, there is nothing truly distinctive. You might offer some better benefits and maybe a little better rewards, or you have a bigger fee or whatever. There's some differences. But at the end of the day, if I need credit and I need a credit card, I have tons of choices. This is true of doctors, dentists, plumbers, um, amusement parks, movie theaters, bookstores, anything. We have so many choices. And one of the things I like to say is that you, you know, competing on price has become a loser's game because you are always racing to the bottom. And the best example there would be a gas station or petrol station. It's, it, there's two across the street from each other. They're both charging the same in gas. If one lowers the price, the other's going to lower the price. Next thing we know, they're giving away the fuel for free. Competing on product has also become so difficult, as the gas station people would attest. But even think about a company like Uber which we all agree is one of the most innovative companies in our time. And yet in most places around the world, you can't tell the difference between an Uber ride and a Lyft ride, mostly because it's often the same ride. It's the drivers working for both companies. So now they have a service that is indistinguishable from their competitor. At the end of the day, if you can't compete on product, you can't compete on price, what's left is experience. And so companies, have to be looking at spending money on existing customers like they look at it for bringing in new customers. And what we'll find is that we get those new customers to stay longer. We get them to spend more with us and come back to us. And best of all is we get them to recommend other people. And so therefore they start doing some of that marketing for us, which eases the burden on our sales team or our marketing team and actually makes it so you don't have to push as hard to constantly bring new people in the door. It's just a balance of power kind of thing. And with most companies, the balance of power, resources, dollars that are associated with acquisition versus existing customers is way out of line. It's like 80, 20, 90, 10, and it should be closer to 50, 50. Yes, and uh, two, two questions come to my mind now, but in order to make that understandable for also people that didn't read your book yet, um, how do you define a remarkable experience? 
So remarkable, the word remarkable, the definition is worthy of remark, worthy of talking about or discussion. And I take that a step further to really say worthy of sharing, because what we want as marketers is we want people talking about us. Now, that might be that they talk about us at a dinner party or cocktail party, that they talk about us at work or that they go onto social media and talk about us or they or they write a review about us. That's all being remarkable. And so the whole idea of the book is specifically around experiences that are worth talking about. And uh, and so and I, if you don't mind, I want to jump to an example here because I think it will it will help explain it. So in the United States, and I've traveled enough, I, I believe this happens in Europe as well. It may not happen at every restaurant, but oftentimes in the United States, if you go to a restaurant and you tell some, you tell them that it's someone's birthday, they have a little surprise at the end of the meal. They bring you out a, a special dessert with a candle in it. It's usually a slice of cake and a and a candle. And it's a very nice gesture. It is, it, it's a super nice gesture. It's not remarkable because everybody does it. And it's almost become expected. And so I tell the story in my book of a steakhouse that we went to, and I told him it was my son's birthday. And when we walked in the door, the first thing that happened was the Mater D gave my son a birthday card that was signed by the staff. Okay, you and I are customer experience people, so the bar for us is a little bit higher. I was really impressed. And what's funny is during dinner, while we were enjoying our dinner, and, and this happens in families where the one of the parents is in customer experience, my kids were talking. And they were saying, Dad, if they gave us a birthday card, don't you think they're going to probably do something special for us at the end of the meal? Like probably better than a slice of cake and a candle. And I said, well, we'll see. And the steakhouse did not disappoint. They came out with a box of chocolates that were handmade in their kitchen. It was sitting on a plate that had happy birthday spelled out in cocoa powder. And instead of a candle, they had a sparkler. Because we all know that sparklers are so much cooler than candles. And Gregorio, what happened next is the whole essence of my book. Without anybody telling us to, all four people at the table pulled out their phones, took a picture of this beautiful display. The parents shared it onto Facebook because that's where we are. The kids shared it onto Snapchat because that's where they are. And this steakhouse got four different people talking about how great their experience was on social media to all of their social connections. And it was all because they decided to be a little bit different and a little bit better than everybody else. And that's, if you use that as a metaphor in your business, whatever business you're in, find your slice of cake in a candle and change it to a box of chocolates and a sparkler. It doesn't have to cost you more money. It doesn't have to be more difficult. It just has to be different and worthy of pulling out my phone and taking a picture of it. And that's really what this is about. It's the, it doesn't have to be that hard, but this place really understood if we want people to talk about us, we got to give them something to talk about. It, it, totally, make, it totally makes sense. And it's, it's really an outstanding example. It's something that we have similar in Europe, but often we don't get cake. <laughs> Therefore, <laughs> we would be happy also with a piece of cake. <laughs> joke, sure. joke, <coughs> joke by side. Um, Elaborating on what you are saying, I think these are also the experiences that make the leaky bucket a bit smaller and smaller and smaller. Could you please explain to the audience your concept sure. of the leaky bucket because it's really outstanding. So uh, a bucket that leaks drips, drips, drips water out of it. 
And that's what's happening with your customer base in almost every business. There are customers that are leaving you every day. And the worst part is that they're leaving you and not telling you why. They're just going. And when they leave, where do you think they're going? They're going to your competition. They've stopped using your credit card so they can go use a different credit card. So it's a double loss for your company. And what I believe is that the focus on customer experience, the reason why we want to invest as much money on our existing customers as on acquiring new ones is to stop this leaky bucket because this is costing us a ton of money. These are the people that we spent all this money to bring in and now they're leaving. So we wasted that money. And when we stop the bucket and there's no more leak, then all the customers stay with us and they stay longer. So it's a metaphor, of course, but it is something that almost every company suffers from and they're not paying attention, which is exactly why the customer is leaving in the first place. Thank you very much. As usual, the outstanding explanation that they are, that they are often given. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business. We are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.